Welcome back to The Short Game. This is the show where we discuss short video games, the kind of games you can probably complete in an evening or a weekend, the kind that fit into your busy schedule and your adult life. Uh, I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week uh, by a guest, as well as my boring old podcast uh, co-host here. Uh, so I am joined this week by Nate Hege. Actually, actually, I should have just asked you before we got started how you pronounce your last name, and I realized I should have done that. Um, how do you pronounce your last name, Nate? You, you um, got I get it, it wrong, actually. I did. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, I'm out of here. Uh, I'm such a jerk. What were you saying about that? Was the that intro was going so well, right? It was. You, it was. It you was good. really managed to. No problem. Yeah. You actually managed to insult all of us. Oh, did you I? Said, you, well, you said his name wrong and made fun of us. But. Oh, okay. Well, good. Um, so, Nate, how do you pronounce your last name? Hagee. 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 Okay. Uh, Nate Hagee. Did I get that right? Hagee. That's okay. right, yeah. Awesome. Okay. This, gonna... is, this is just like, you know, one of those scenes in, like, Star Trek where it's like, who's the real captain? Who do I shoot? Which which Nate do I kick off the podcast? Yeah, this is a this is a tricky one. So we are we are double nating it this week. We've got Nate Hagee, our guest, and as I will refer to him in the podcast, uh, in deference to his guest status, that is true Nate. And then we have uh, Nate Heininger, uh, our co-host, and that is uh, that is false Nate. Yeah, whatever. Nate, yeah. thank you so much for joining us on the show. Um, I, I I'd like to thank both Nates for joining us on the show. Well, I mean, yeah, but. Nate H. Actually, I can't even do that. God ah. damn it. <laughs> you, you actually can't do Nate H E ah, either. It's only Lord. after that that it splits apart. Okay. Well, Why don't you have like uh Call me Romango. Regular Nate, normal Nate, always here Nate. <laughs> Boring Nate. Um Whoa. so new Nate, new exciting, fresh Nate. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Uh, I was, uh, I've been really looking forward to doing an episode about Hearthstone, which is what you're here to talk about with us. Um, and I've been asking around on Twitter to see if anybody knew somebody who knew more about Hearthstone than me. Um, uh, which isn't hard because I've been playing Hearthstone quite a bit since it came out on iOS, but... I don't really feel like I have a full grasp of the game because it's got some complexities to it. It's a really easy game to get into, but it's got some complexities to it that I, I just thought it'd be nice to chat with somebody more knowledgeable than myself. And Chris Enns over at the Good Stuff Network was kind enough to introduce me to you. Um, so just to sort of introduce Nate briefly, Nate is the founder and lead developer at Amuses Me Games, where he makes a number of neat little iOS games, uh, including the famous, or at least uh, famous to me and other longtime Mac nerds, Go-Go uh, -Go Redball, uh, which is kind of neat. Uh, <laughs> he's got a number of, of much more sophisticated, cool-looking puzzle games on his website that you could check out, but I had a special place for Go-Go -Go Redball in my art because I remember installing that when... Uh, I had first installed, I don't know if it was Tiger or whichever uh, OS X release included uh, Dashboard for the first time. And it was one of the Dashboard widgets that everybody showed off because it was neat. It, had, it was like the only one that had any physics in it. And all it really did, as far as I remember, was bounce a little red ball around. But it was really neat. And I found out that was you. And so I was really excited to talk to you. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, doing good. Keep talking about the stuff I made. That's cool. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Thanks for joining. For what it's worth, I was like, I also happen to have the uh, the red ball. And when I saw that email, Reagan explained, I was like, no way. And I sent it to someone else who didn't have a Mac 
computer. Uh, they'd been a PC the whole time. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's Red Ball guy. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like oh, okay. Yep. The only thing that could have tickled that particular like uh, memory stem in my brain would have been if we'd got the guy that did the voice of that Jared app that would sing. Nobody else? <laughs> right. No, from Freeverse. Yeah, you're right. No, is it uh, Odd Mac Freeware? It was the... Back when all you had was a Mac and an internet connection and uh, and a yep. dream. <laughs> and I've neglected to introduce my actual co-hosts because they're boring and old. And I've uh, I've talked to them far too many times. Uh, Nate, boring old Nate, how are you doing, Nate? Well, I was doing better, but thanks for that. And Shane, my real life brother and bro host. How are you doing today, Shane? I'm doing pretty great. I'm really kind of stoked to be chatting about Hearthstone today. Um uh, interesting, Nate. How did you uh, How did you get started with Hearthstone? Uh, you know, it, when it when it finally came out because it was in beta for a while, I uh, I installed it. It's free, very compatible with modern gaming, and uh, just played it a bit. And then suddenly I, I had a whole bunch of friends online playing, and then I just didn't stop playing. Now, Nate, have you played any other? Um, were you like a Warcraft, a World of Warcraft, or or? Warcraft player at all, or, or yeah, this... actually, back before when I had you know even more free time, I played WoW quite a bit. That's back in the original Burning Crusade and uh, whatever the, th- the other one was. Yeah, I actually I did too. Um, I played from from beta through the whatever the one was after Burning Crusade, and it's been interesting because this is my first uh, Blizzard game, pretty much since stopping playing WoW. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah, definitely. I think that's sort of a handicap for me on this because there's it's not really vital to the game, but there's a lot of sort of wow um, uh, lore kind of baked into this game or at least to, into its theme. Um, and I was never a World of Warcraft player. Um, I think the only uh, Blizzard game I played any significant amount of before this was Diablo 3, and that got old after a while, so I was never really a big fan of their... I never took the time to look up anything or you know read their wikis about lore or anything like that. So this is my first intro to that world. Um, yeah, I mean, as someone who, uh, you know, I've played w- Blizzard games since Warcraft 1, it was really only once I stopped playing WoW that, like, my detachment from Blizzard happened. It wasn't out of anything else. Like, I've played every Warcraft game and all the StarCraft games and all that. And it's kind of fun to be like, oh, it's Uther Lightbringer. But, like, it it doesn't, it hasn't really helped in any way. I guess you kind of know going in a little bit more about maybe some of the classes. But even still, it's just, like, standard RPG classes. and. And some of the cards are a little funnier because you remember them. Like, there's some in-jokes to World of Warcraft, some of the sillier characters and stuff from the game. You know, you won't know that they're funny. Yeah. But other than that, I don't think it really changes much. I guess it's just a little bit deeper connection to it. Yeah, and I guess it doesn't really require any knowledge of the lore more than uh, Magic the Gathering requires knowledge of what the heck is going on on those cards which always baffled me. I actually was a big Magic the Gathering player back in, you know, my, I guess, teen years, maybe. And uh, 
until all of those cards got lost in a flood and you know uh-huh. that was that was a nightmare but and so i've never gone back could i was just disgusted with it after that yeah Couldn't the funny thing is consider. i saved my magic the gathering cards from that same flood but i lost my only opponent the only person who would actually play <laughs> magic the gathering with me lost all of his cards wait can we can you guys explain to me this flood how like you live in the same house. Like, how was one set of magic cards destroyed and not the other? Did you just have to save your things in an order of priority? <laughs> my my, and- my Magic the Gathering <laughs> cards were on a lower shelf. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Oh. When you're running around your house uh, and the waters are rising, you think to yourself, uh, oh, God, I've got to save everything important. And uh, I-, I thought to myself, what about those Magic the Gathering cards? And I didn't, which I guess shows my, uh, my lack of commitment to the, the Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I feel like there's a... There's a joke here somewhere about like mana being tapped, or I can't get there. But there's something about you should have cast freeze or something to <laughs> to slow. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna wor- I'm gonna workshop on this one, and then we'll I'll hit it. I'll hit you back on it later. Good try. Good try. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, did you uh, play Magic: The Gathering or other collectible card game type games before you got into Hearthstone? Well, you know, I had a I had a Magic deck and played casually with some friends like years ago, but nothing really serious. You know, I was familiar with the format, but that's about it. Yeah, I think part of the reason I drifted away from Magic was that the game changes so often. And um, I mean, apart from the fact that I lost all of my cards in the flood, uh, I also drifted away from it because uh, it, it's it's just a game that requires so much of its players in terms of like commitment to going to stores and buying cards and, you know, specking out a expensive fancy deck and so on and that's one of the things that really appealed to me about hearthstone um i really didn't think i would like hearthstone when i first tried it because i had that kind of negative feeling about collectible card games generally and magic specifically but um uh, because this game takes a very different approach from any other collectible card game um i think it, it really feels fresh it feels totally different from magic the gathering in some pretty important ways Totally, and you don't have to walk down to any store to get more cards. Exactly, which is great and also uh, kind of bad because it makes them a much easier impulse purchase. True, true. You know, they've, they've actually, I think, improved on, on you know, when you and I quit Magic the Gathering, Reagan, and they were starting to even realize some of the problems. Uh, I, uh, I'm told by people who I know still play that around that time, you know, the collectability of the cards got really high and it kind of hurt the game as a game for a while and the company wizards of the coast kind of had to fight that collectability by you know selling in different ways so hearthstone has an opportunity to kind of sell in any way they want to it's it's those microtransactions you know and uh it's native to kind of mobile so it's uh it it, i think they they could uh avoid some of the mistakes that were made by the physical versions of this kind of game. There's a lot of interesting choices they made in the design of this game, but the biggest one that initially I saw as like a huge turnoff was just the basic nature of it being a free-to-play mobile, you know, quote-unquote freemium game. Um, That's something that I usually hate. Like, I can't stand games that make you pay to reset timers or you know come back and water your crops in six hours or whatever it might be Um, and so the idea that this game was going to be a mobile free-to-play game featuring microtransactions was a huge turnoff for me Um, but 
uh, and I thought, okay, this is a game. This game isn't for me. This game is for the people that do that. The people that play these, you know, tiny towers and these farm bills and these other things like that. But it turned out this game really is kind of for me. And I was kind of wondering, like, who 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 did Blizzard design this game for? It doesn't seem like it's designed for their hardest core fan base who want to play um, World of Warcraft exactly. But it also doesn't feel like it's entirely a casual mobile game. You know, I kind of think it does. It appeals to a, a, kind of a lot of gamers, really. It does have a lot of overlap with WoW, I think. You know how WoW has some players who play it, like, all the time, very seriously, and some players who just, like, log in, do a quest or two, took, like, two years to hit level cap kind of thing. I think Hearthstone's a lot like that. I think it depends on your level of, like, how competitive you want to be when you play games that involve other people. Because if you actually do want to be, you know, competitive in this game, it really is a lot of work, and, you, and it really has some similarities with Magic, where like you have to have the good cards to be really competitive. But you, they, they provide enough of like a, a neutral zone where you can win any particular game with almost any particular deck. It's just if you want to win consistently and in the long run and rank up, you're going to need a really, really competitive deck. So I can see how... It's fun to just kind of log on and play a game against someone. But unless you really take the time to research and build a strong deck, you're going to lose more often than not when playing against other people. And so it just depends on how content you are with that. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time playing against the AI just because I wasn't really ready to take my deck out and you know make a fool of myself and what I assumed would be like lose you know, round after round. But once I had been pretty confident I could beat the AI at a reasonable percentage of the time, the game is really, seems like it's, um, it, well, I mean, obviously it really rewards you going and fighting real people. And uh, it does that in a, um, in a few different ways, but the, the, it limits kind of your interaction with those people through the different emotes. So uh, I never felt like I was being like, uh, you know, ridiculed for being a loser when I lost. And I also sometimes, you know, won and I was feeling great. So I was losing a lot more than I was winning uh, at first, but I think they create a friendly experience for new players, which is something that you could never really do with a collectible card game that would be <laughs> uh, having you say, sit across the, you know, a card table from uh, a, a strange looking guy in the back room of a, like a, a restaurant feels like a strange <laughs> cockfighting type situation where you know, <laughs> like everybody's crowded around in this grimy game store and and you got a you know a stranger who's like dropping cards you've never seen on you yeah totally i just saw something uh uh where a a, a local game store someplace this was posted to reddit or something but some local game store had a had a sign up that was like, I'm sorry, we've suspended all adult play for Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, you, you know, if if adults can't play Yu-Gi-Oh and not get into altercations, we'll have to cancel the game night. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> well, there's an entire episode of South Park where it's cockfighting, but the chickens are playing magic, and it's really, really <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. The episode was it's, cock magic. Yes, yeah, <laughs> cock magic. Yeah. It's, uh, I would raise such a chicken. That would be amazing. Yeah, it, it plays on that exact same joke. So I, uh, 
I highly recommend it. Yeah, that is a great thing about this. You could play against an annoying 10-year-old or a incredibly, you know, anger-driven uh, 40-year-old or whomever. And you would never know. <laughs> I like how those are your your two categories for the players. <laughs> it's the it's the archetypes. It's the two key archetypes. Well, you know, the the sense of this show is we want to talk about how this game fits into people's lives, and one of the biggest boundaries to multiplayer games for me is other people. Other people are garbage. So <laughs> other people are the worst. Yeah. Yeah. But this game shields you I'm from one that. of them, and I'm, I'm I can I can guarantee it. It's okay, Shane. You're not other people. <laughs> The rules of the game are also really simple and approachable, and they made, I mean, when I was learning the game, I had to keep contrasting it with Magic, which I obviously played a lot of when I was a kid. Um, and the rules here, they made some choices that are incredibly refreshing and simple and totally like digital native, like they really got it down. So um, oh, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm really the best person to explain the rules though. Nate, do you want to take a crack at it? Yeah, so. I mean, the main thing they did that's kind of innovative is uh, the the resource pool, the mana. Uh, you, you know, like in Magic, you're playing your resources as cards, and there's trade-offs between when you play and how much you play, etc., right? Mm -hmm. But in Hearthstone, it the game gives you one each turn, so you start with one mana, next turn you have two mana, next turn you have three mana until you hit ten mana, which is the cap, and then from there to the end of the game, you've got ten mana, so... It, for a new user, that's totally one less thing they have to think about, right? Mm -hmm. it, it just, it's set. It's the same for everyone. And uh, so from there, you get your hand of cards, and uh, there's spells and creatures, basically two different types. There's also weapons, actually, okay, three types. But, yeah, that's it. Anyway, so it's kind of uh, a creature-focused game, really, so, or Minions. Actually, I don't know what the actual official title I think it's, is. It's Minion. It's Minion. Minion, you're right. Minions. All right. Yeah. Okay, it's minions. minions it is. So you're building up your your side of the board with your Minions, right? And ideally, each turn or each few turns when you play a Minion, it's getting bigger because you have more mana available, right? So you're building out your army and your, your Minions are attacking their Minions. At the same time, you've got spells that affect the game. And then eventually you attack uh, your opponent themselves, you know, they have a hero. And when their hero loses all their health, you win. Or when your hero loses all your health, you lose, which, you know, hopefully doesn't happen often. Uh, anyway, so that's the basics of the game, you know, that's really glossing it over. And the other interesting part is how you get cards, of course. You can buy them or you can earn them, right? You can, it has the f total free-to-play mechanic where slowly as you play you get golden cards to build up your collection the one thing that really stood out to me as a really smart decision that they did that makes it work so much better for you know internet play is that there's no phases in the game oh yeah so if you look at 
card games like Magic the Gathering or even even games like Dominion um, that aren't strictly speaking collectible card games, there's always these phases of play. So there's a, a part of your turn where you can play this type of card. There's a part of your turn where you can, you know, tap your land for mana or whatever it might be. So there's these chunks of your turn. Your turn's broken up into these phases. Um, but in Hearthstone, you can play during your turn. If you have enough mana and you have a card in your hand, you can play any card at any time in any order. And you can attack at any point in the turn. So if you've got a minion out, you can attack first and then play cards. You can play cards first and then attack. Doesn't really matter. Um, and also that's really important because it means that there's nothing for your opponent to do during your turn. Um, there's so which helps online. I mean, in a in, an, in a physical like tabletop card game, that's kind of lame. It means that they've got nothing to do while it's your turn. But in a digital card game, that really helps because you know. They can play their turn at whatever speed. You can, I don't know, read Twitter while they're doing it. And then once it's your turn, you take all of your actions in whatever order you want and hand it back over to them. Um, so I think just the 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 progression of play has a really good pace. Games are about 10 minutes long. So Nate, do you think that the rules here are simplified just to kind of keep the experience quick? Because these games are very quick. It's 10 minutes or... or- what, what do you think they're going for, but with things like taking off the entire resource management side of the game? I think it, I think speed is definitely part of it. You know, uh, the shorter the game is, the more casual an audience they can appeal to. I also think that uh, mobile, you know, iPad and iPhone and uh, Android of both sizes is, was something they were thinking about from the beginning. And that works way better, you know, you can only play games on your iPhone on the bus or whatever if it's short enough, mm-hmm. right? And if yeah. it's simple enough, you know, you can fit everything on screen. And uh, honestly, it almost feels like they thought it might be a turn-based game too, you know, how on your phone you get lots of turn-based games or you play your turn and then... Yeah, like asynchronous multiplayer with yeah, passing exactly. back and forth, yeah. It's not asynchronous. Well, at least that means they don't have to have... Uh... They don't have to have a super strong internet connection, and if they if they've got things that where you're, they can queue up actions. Yeah, you know it. It feels like they might have been going for that. They haven't done it yet. I think it'd be cool if they did. Like right now, it is pretty synchronous. You know, your internet can kill a game. It's it's not, it's not. You know, I've played from the farm. It's it doesn't have to be great. But yeah. well, well, fortunately, they have added. Unless you're really trying to rank up the legendary, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, um, you like losing doesn't necessarily hurt anything. I mean, it sucks to lose, but like if you do have to close out a game because you're on the bus and your stop comes up and whatever, it's just you lost. And it doesn't even, I don't even think there's a win loss record anywhere. You can see how many you've won, but it doesn't really keep track of how many you've lost either. So, the consequences for losing aren't really there other than if you're trying to rank up in the ranked stuff. But I think that le- lends itself to the casualness of it as well. Cause you can just kind of, if you have to bail on a game, you bail and it's fine. You're not going to lose gold or lose cards or lose whatever. Yeah. And people bail yeah. from time to time, but it's never really frustrated me. It's not like a game like uh, civilization where if somebody bails halfway through, then both people have just wasted an hour of their time. The games are super short. And if you, you know, if the person you're playing against 
bails halfway through, then, you know, you get a nice little surrender animation and it counts as a win for you and it's not really any skin off their back. And so it's, it, it feels okay. It's, uh, yeah. it doesn't bother me to, to have that type of interruption I did, happen. I did want to talk a minute too about, you know, we were talking about the phase thing kind of being taken out. And I do think it definitely simplified the game because, uh, you know, the stack is something that came from Magic the Gathering. Like, well, I did this and then you countered it, but my counter counters that. Oh, so what God. order? But what, so what order do we resolve this? Well, I don't know. Let's check the rules. And you end up with like a stack of four things that you have to resolve until you yeah. get to the very bottom one. So that's great that that's gone. Um, <laughs> at least, at least for this game, I love Magic, but, um, like that is one of the most complicated things in Magic the Gathering, especially when the when the stack gets really high and you are resolving like four, five, six actions to get all the way to the bottom. Uh, but I will say it it definitely made it simpler, but it doesn't make it worse. It actually adds a different type of strategy to the game because now in the past you kind of had to get all with at least with Magic, you kind of had to get all your ducks in a row and then you can attack for better or worse. Whereas with yeah. this. Like, I can maybe, let's say I have a spell that does two damage to everything, all of the minions, including my own. Well, with magic, I might have done that, and it would have killed my minion and your minions. But at least with this game, I can attack with that minion before casting it, so I can at least get to utilize his skills. And it kind of allows you to bounce back and forth between playing cards and attacking and it does add a, le- a level of strategy that is not in magic. I, I'm not saying it's necessarily harder or better, but it, it, at least it's, it's totally unique to Hearthstone, uh, as, at least as compared to magic. And I've been really enjoying that. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> cool. <laughs> the, the collecting aspect of the game is really interesting to me too. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm I'm not really a big collector of digital what's-its. You know, I, I hate collectibles in most games of all kinds. And, I mean, I didn't even really dig Pokemon. I didn't even finish the most recent one. I definitely didn't catch them all. So it, it's kind of weird to me that the collecting aspect of this game has been one of the parts that I've been most interested in. Oh, um, interesting. I, I just sort of like the cards. They're interesting looking. They all have good illustrations. They get a little bit of flavor text. They have, um, and they feel like a thing that I now own. Like a, a lot of digital games that have collectibles of various kinds, it doesn't feel like a collection. It doesn't feel like this is my stuff. But something about the cards in Hearthstone, it feels like I'm collecting a thing. And, you know, you've got your decks, you've got your collection. There's a, a sort of a binder that you can leaf through and look at all the cards that you have and look at their pretty art and plan out what decks you're going to build. So there's this aspect to it that really does appeal to that with that kind of angle, the, the, the same feeling I would have had paging through my binders and boxes full of yeah. magic cards. Well, I think it's because this has a far more practical application other than just like, look how pretty these are. Because like you mentioned Pokemon and it's like, yeah, I might capture 150 of them, 151. But in reality, I'm probably only using maybe 10 total. Like, sure, I've done played with them a little bit, but you end up with kind of like your set ones. And that's what you play most of the game with. Um, whereas this, like, I don't know, part of the game is like trying out different decks and trying out different... Uh, heroes and so having these cards actually just makes those decks better and makes those heroes stronger 
So yeah, there's definitely a, a fun element to collecting them. You're right. The artwork is is classic Blizzard. It's fun and, and nice to look at. But also like getting a good card, you're like, well, now I'm actually a stronger player, which has its downsides too, because it really is like if you really want to compete, you have to have the really good cards. But it's I, I agree with you. It is I, I normally I collectibles are like my least favorite thing in games. And this one I've enjoyed too, but it's I think it's purely because it's practical. Well, you mentioned that uh, you know the Blizzard art is part of what draws you into that collectability aspect, and I, th- that's kind of something that I I love about this game is that high quality standard that Blizzard has for this kind of stuff. They, they, I heard that there's a like there. I don't know that this was like a a big effort for Blizzard. It was it seemed like something that they did with um, kind of a smaller amount of cash and it was in beta for a long time, but uh, the quality is really, really high. I know they had, um, I I tried to look up a little bit and they had a group inside of blizzard called um, team five, I think. And team five was like a small team of people. Um, But they've got some, they've got some great animations. One of my things that I think is the, it's got an incredible like tactility, of like the cards and stuff. Like when you actually play the cards, you're dragging them out and they're, you know, falling ka-chunk, ka-chunk. They could have done that very, very, with very basic graphics, but they they have a high level of polish and sort of feel to every aspect. Oh, yeah. Like the one thing you drag the cards around it and they twist, right? Like in 3D, even though they're flat, but they're not perfectly flat. All the elements on it, like the the name of the card and the, the cost and everything are just slightly raised. And, and as it moves, you can just subtly see that this card might be embossed, you know? It's just super well done. Yeah, and the um, so the cards have various attack damages, you know, from one all the way up to, I mean, you can get them really high in the 10s and 15 or so if you end up with perfect cards. But anyway, uh, the, like, the way that the screen or the battlefield shakes uh, dependent upon the strength of the attack is really nice, and there's almost like, like there's like there's like a crowd that cheers oh, yeah. when, you get a, when you get a particularly loud hit, and it actually it is a really satisfying thing to land a hit of I'd say maybe six or better, but really once you get to like <laughs> really once you get to like seven, eight, nine, and ten attacks on the hero, the whole thing like rattles and a crowd cheers really loud, and it's just like yeah, that felt great. Yeah, I always hear that voice in the crowd. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's N- awesome. Nate, how do you mostly get cards? Like, do you do a lot of grinding for individual like card? You know, do you a lot of play a lot and grind for gold and buy them, or do well, you buy with real real monies? Or you know, how how does that work for you? Early on, I did uh, grind, you know, to get caught up when the game was released because I didn't, you know, I signed up for beta, but I didn't really play much. Actually, I think they reset everything at beta anyway. So I basically started playing when it was released. And I was trying to catch up, you know, grinding a bit. But, you know, I I just play every once in a while consistently, you know, to get my daily quest, get my gold or whatever. To the point where, like, this last uh, expansion that came out cost however much... I think 3, it's 20, gold or something I don't like know that. how much it was in gold. I think those expansions are like 25 bucks. And I want to ask there, you about those because yeah. I have, I know nothing about the expansion. So I want your, your thoughts on that. But So I, this time I just paid for it with gold because I just had enough, you know. Wow. Nice. So I've, been, I've been slowly buying those wings. 
700 gold a wing. Oh, yeah. Had, yeah. So I, I did buy uh, Nax, which was the f- first expansion. I bought that with real money. Uh, I had some iTunes gift cards that I got at a discount, so I used that on the iPad. And ever since then, like, the gold's been enough. I think right now I have about 1,000 gold or something. Should be okay when the next expansion comes out, I think, so... So tell me what the expansions do for you, because that's something that I've still been playing the game casually enough that I have I have yet to buy either of the expansions, although I've right. I've had my finger over the button a few times. I paid some real money to buy packs, but I've never bought the expansions yet. What do those do for you? And, and it seems like they have some single player stuff that I haven't actually seen yet. Yeah. So, so far there have been three expansions. It kind of looks like there's going to be like about four expansions a year, two of each kind. So there's the single player ones. It's like the adventure. And then there's the, the just card packs where they make a, a new card pack that's also collectible, just like the the ordinary packs. And you don't know what you're going to get, you know, just like Magic, you open 10 packs and it could all be the same card or, you know, any cards, uh, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. And then the adventure is like your opponent, your AI opponent is preset, specifically programmed with their deck, uh, you know, their behavior and whatever. And uh, and when you win that, you get a specific card. So each battle you win gives you a specific known card. And then by the end of it, you, you have new cards, but it's not random and whatever. It's like you pay for it, and you're mostly getting the experience of playing through the single-player adventure. Um, and it actually, one of the things that's nice about the single-player adventure, if you've played WoW, is a lot of them are like WoW lore, like this last one, Black Rock Mountain, that was like the first big raiding thing in WoW. So a lot of these are battles that are like you've played before and there's like in-jokes. It's a lot more lighthearted than WoW is. It definitely doesn't take itself seriously, but it, it adds an extra something to uh, the expansions that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I know that some of the classes also have kind of like mechanical references to classes in WoW, like where some of the cards overlap. With, But I, I didn't play WoW, so I was hoping I could ask you guys about that. I didn't you know mention of anything like that. Oh yeah, uh, I didn't mention the classes at all. Actually, the game has nine classes. That's yeah, yeah, we didn't talk about that different. at all. And my biggest question for you is: so, do you have do you have a, like a favorite class, or it seems like there's certain classes that are preferred over others? And when I was just getting into the game, I picked totally just based on oh hey that looks kind of cool. So like, what what should somebody look for when they're first getting started as far as picking a class? Oh man, that is a huge can of worms. Hmm. <laughs> Well, I'll give you a synopsis and then, because really you can't talk about it, you know, at an at a accurate level without talking about the meta, which is just something else entirely, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, basically it makes you play a mage through the first tutorials to get you, you familiar with the rules of the game. Mage is a solid first class just because after you play that half hour, hour through all the tutorials, you're familiar with it. It makes sense in that the hero power is really easy to understand. You spend two mana and you do one damage to anything right so it's very clear and mage seems to always have decent decks there's always a a mage deck that's popular and strong so i you know i've played with a lot of new players i just do mage because you know by the time you're done that hour if you're pretty casual you're like i don't want to invest time learning another one once you you know get past that first class and you're exploring the other eight then there's kind of two ways to go. Either you want to win 
and then you have to look at what classes are bad or sorry what classes are good at the given time and you might want to have fun where you just learn about the classes and figure out which play style you might enjoy you know for example i really like shaman shaman is a heck of a lot of fun but it is not a strong class right now. It hasn't been actually for any of the expansions. So I really don't play it that much, like much at all, you know, because I want to win games. I enjoy, that's what I like. I enjoy winning <laughs> games. <laughs> so, yeah. So I guess that's, that's glossing over what I'd recommend. Cool. So if somebody's getting started right now, you'd say start with, uh, start with the, uh, the mage and then kind of work out from there. What would, um, what would, what would be a couple others that you think somebody should uh, should experiment with if they've tried the mage and want to try something different? Well, if you're starting out, ideally you want to play some classes that you can play at least fairly competitively without having to, say, have a lot of rare cards, a lot of legendary cards, right, which are hard to get. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, the classes you're looking at for that is you're either looking at, uh, you know, it's always going to be the Warlock Zoo, uh, is always going to be cheap and there's going to be a variation that's cheap. I've seen that reference, but what does Warlock Zoo mean? So Warlock is a class, right? Their hero power is to draw a card. And uh, Zoo is means that you use a lot of cheap minions that have high value. So they're, they're inexpensive, but they always, you know, they're always worth a little more than you play them. So, you know, they'll usually kill two of your opponent's minions or they'll make one of your weaker minions able to kill a more expensive minion or whatever. So that's the idea of value that you're playing things that are, are cheaper and, and it works with Warlock because you can always draw more cards, mm. right? You know, you can't, Hunter has kind of some similar archetypes, but uh, because you can't draw cards as easily, if you play a lot of cheap minions, you end up running out, right? So Warlock has this thing, you just, you just play a bunch of cheap, decent minions, keep drawing more cards and you kind of overwhelm your opponent with this zoo of minions you have, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there are so many different zoos. There's one right now that's popular that's kind of the, you know, it's a mid-range zoo, which means it has some more expensive uh, minions than, than normal. And that one might be a little harder to acquire for a new player, but there are so many zoo archetypes that you only need a small collection to get going, and they're so viable. Like, if you're playing on the ladder, uh, you could you could easily rank up quite a bit without needing the best cards. Like on the other end of the spectrum, uh, Control Warrior is a is a deck archetype that's always strong. Basically, you're 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 basically trying to kill everything on the board until you just win. Hmm. It's like a war of attrition. Basically, I'm really glossing over it. Sure. And that's always it's been viable since the game came out as well but you need so many legendary cards. It's like super expensive to play. Not, you know, not literally expensive, gold or whatever. So that's not really an, a new player's best deck, even though it's always strong, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I, I've i done, because I'm the type of person that once I get into a game like this, I, I really do try to like, I, I also want to win and like get up the ladder, but I'm new to enough where I don't have enough cards and I was, a buddy of mine from work got me playing this game and I told him I, I, I played a hunter in World of Warcraft. So I was like, sure, I'll play a hunter in this game. And I built a silly little deck and I actually did really, really well and got myself all the way up to rank 18 on my first like real sit down of playing the game. And 
I then lost like eight in a row, and I've never been able to get above basically <laughs> 20 again. And I don't know what's different. I think I almost overthink the game now. But as it turns out, and I only learned this after the fact, is that I had built a really, really crappy version of what's called a Face Hunter deck. Oh, yeah, those and, are fun. Yeah, and it was based off of how I used to play um, Used to play Magic was basically just, I'm going to attack the person and make them deal with my card. And that's kind of like the modify. that's kind of how it works in this game. Where you're instead of what you're, you know, what Nate was saying with controlling the board, killing the minions. This one, you're doing everything you can to just attack the player and kill them as fast as you can before they oh, yeah. can even get their deck going. And it works really well if it if it works really well. Otherwise, what I found would happen to me, and this is where I kind of got stuck and have kind of stopped playing the face hunter thing until I get better cards. Is that if you don't kill them in your first like burst. You just end up with them at about a third of health. You're out of cards and nothing on the board. And then they get to just do whatever they want. And you can have some really, really disappointing losses where it feels like you're going to crush them. And then the whole thing just grinds to a halt. Totally. And I had a, de- a game where like a dude was obviously just messing with me at this point because he knew there was nothing I could do. And he had some trick deck and ended up having like I took a screenshot of it, actually. He had, like, four 10-10 things on the board. Uh, and like oh, my two, gosh. And, like, two other legendaries. And I was at six health. He had, a, <laughs> he had a single attack of, like, 60... It was, like, 60-something attack power on the board. And I'm sitting there with no minions, no cards, and six health. I was like, yeah. I did a really bad job. <laughs> <laughs> you can't... Like, you cannot lose any more than I am currently losing. <laughs> Uh, but it it is tricky like it's i like those archetypes the the the, like you mentioned the meta i think that's that's a really interesting thing to me in in all games of how you know the the game developers make these rules but then it's the players who kind of decide what's good and i know that part of it is that they're just literally better cards than others but part of it is like well everyone's playing face hunter right now so a good deck would be one that counters Face Hunter. But if you play against a deck that's not that, then your deck that you made to counter it might not actually be good anymore. So it's like everybody trying to one-up each other, but all using the same rules. And I think that's a really interesting element of these games. Something I really liked about Magic, and something I've really liked about board games that you play a lot with the same group of friends. Yeah, totally. It's actually one of the same things I love about about Dungeons & Dragons, is uh, you get to analyze a a system uh, and try and optimize it in a way that's, you know, fun and, and, ha- you know, having a good time and just sometimes a social activity. It's fun. Yeah. Or it's like with settlers of Catan, it's like, well, I know Chris likes to go for ore, so I'm going to need to, uh, you know, get in that ore real quick. And it's like that, that would not exist if you hadn't played this game a lot, you know? And, and I, I just always find that interesting. And, but the problem with Hearthstone is that if you really do want to get, and it's just with collectible card games, that if you do really want to get into it, is like you have to have those really nice cards, um, and you can get to it slowly, or you can just buy them. And I'm always torn on how much I want to spend on a game like this, which we should say it's all cheaper than Magic. You can get like, <laughs> you can get like it doesn't take much e- to be cheaper than Magic for yeah, most people. Yeah, you can get like every card basically through crafting or through just buying decks into 
packs until you had it for like one really nice card from Magic the Gathering. So yeah, Nate, do you, you know. do a lot of um, do you do a lot of the crafting to collect cards? Because I, I yeah, I haven't done much of that, and it's because I don't really I don't want to turn a bunch of cards to dust. So the the crafting system I should say is uh, you can turn your cards that you collect through play or by purchasing them in packs. You can turn them into arcane dust, and then you can buy. Um, you know, your choice of fancy cards with that arcane dust. Um, but you're losing some value when you do that. You know, it costs more in dust the, uh, to create a card than you would get by destroying it. So um, I, I, I want to really know what I'm doing before I start disenchanting a bunch of cards in order to build the deck I want. I want to know that I want what I want. Um, how, how did you approach crafting? Uh, well, you know, initially... You know, as making those hard decisions as like, you know, do I want uh, this one thing or do I want, you know, do I, do I want the mediocre card I have or do I want uh, this really good card? Or more like actually what I should say is, do I want these four mediocre cards or this one really good card? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you're always worried, you know, are you going to want that? next time because it's usually along class lines it's like well i have this good priest card that i could turn to dust but am i going to play priest at some point am i going to want it you know so uh what i did initially is i'm you know i made those decisions i figured out the classes that i wasn't going to play and and whatever but um you know after playing it for a while you build up your collection your packs start having a lot of duplicates like a lot of duplicates mm. Like, I don't know how long it's been since I opened uh, a, a GVG, which is the last expansion, Goblins vs. Gnomes. Last time I opened a GVG pack that what didn't have a dupe, that wasn't all duplicates, I mean. And so once you get duplicates, you just dust them and you're not losing anything. Yeah, and it helps that you can only put two of each kind of card into your, into oh, your yeah, actual that's... decks. Um, and when you're constructing the decks, it doesn't, like, I mean, I can have the same card in multiple decks without it, like, without needing to have, like, four copies of it. It's uh, It's got a very smart deck construction thing. So if you get more than two of any card, it doesn't really make sense to keep it. You can turn those to dust immediately. In fact, it has a button that will automatically dust them for you. You don't even have to find them. Nice. All your, all your extra cards just turned into dust. So, yeah, I, I craft a lot now. You know, there's still some legendaries and stuff I don't have. I don't know what the last one I crafted was, but it's like I have, you know, 3,000 dust there. I might as well make it the card I want. Um, and another thing is, so you, there's two versions of the card, right? There's the normal version, and then there's the even rarer and harder to find golden version. And the cool thing about the golden versions are is they function exactly the same, and you can still only have two of the card, whether it's gold or normal. But the gold version is worth four times as much dust. Mm. So when you're starting out, occasionally you get a gold version. Uh, you can dust that for for more dust. Like if you get a gold legendary, right? And it's, it's a legendary you're never going to use. Uh, there's surprisingly a lot of those. You can immediately dust it and turn it into the legendary you would rather have. The normal version of that legendary. That's a good call. That is cool. Although then you lose out on the incredibly cool animation. I think I've only ended up with like one or two gold cards, but they look really good. <laughs> oh, 
yeah, they look amazing. I mean, talking about the artwork that Blizzard does, all the golden cards are animated, right? And some of them are just so beautiful. So yeah, I, I've got. I just got one of those in that pack they rewarded me for uh, for the iPhone. Oh yeah, um, and it was uh, some uh, character with lightning going behind her, and the lightning's all animated, and the card is shiny. Oh uh, yeah, it, it, it's a. Uh, it takes good art to kind of you know trick your brain into wanting to collect something that you know is. A, a digital it's, it's file literally just a gift in the cloud somewhere it's <laughs> yeah a, yeah um but it's uh, in the cloud yeah, it's in the cloud my collectibles are in the cloud I want to talk a little bit about the arena, but um, I bring it up first, though, because I just had a really good run, and my reward was a golden explosive sheet. And so oh. I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I, I, I don't feel good about it, other than it's golden. I feel like it's a bad card. I don't know enough about it. it almost feels like a not a slap to the face, kind of but a I will say, card. yeah, it's a really, really good little like it looks really nice. It's like a little. Little that's mechanical it. looking sheep that's on yeah. fire and it, like I don't know if it's a good card or not, but um, it's not the kind of card that like anchors a deck, but it will get played. It's in some yeah. decks. So I actually just pulled out my um, my phone here though to to look at it because I wanted to. So in your opinion, I've got two. It looks like I've got two explosive sheeps that are normal and one golden explosive. So unless I really really want the like shininess of the gold one, I should. It, I should dust the golden one for bonus. Yeah, if you're, I mean, if you're hurting for cards or if there's some cards you want, dusting a golden like that that you already have two regulars, definitely yeah. a wise choice, you know. Okay. The only time, you know, go for goldens when you have a nearly complete collection or you're going to spend like $400 real money anyways and you want your deck to be like bling. Yeah. <laughs> it's so at least... So I'm looking at it right now, and if people are wanting like a comparison, so like I could dust the normal one for five gold, or I could dust or for for dust, <laughs> or I could do the golden one for fifty. So it's actually ten times as much dust. Um, yeah, you're for right. It, for being golden, the basic ones are worth more, and the legendary ones are worth less. So four is approximate, but yeah, it, it's yeah. a lot more dust for sure. Interesting. Wild. And so you'd say that it's a good approach if you're a new player to just pick a class or two that you know you're not going to play at first and just dust most of those, you think? That's what I would say. All right. Goodbye, Priest. <laughs> priest is a good one not to play in the beginning because it's hard. Nate, have you played much Arena? Because uh, that's something that I've been really getting into lately. And the reason I've been really getting into it is because it actually circumvents my overarching problem with collectible card games, which is, you know, you have better cards than me. That makes you a better player. Yeah, let's describe the, what the arena is first. Oh, I um, love the arena, actually. So with the arena, basically, you get a randomly generated set of three classes that you pick one of, and then you 
create a deck of basically it gives you three random cards of normally around the same tier type that you choose from 30 times to build a completely random deck in that moment. And then you enter into the arena. Uh, as you win, who you're playing against other people with randomly built decks, uh, the more wins you get, the better your rewards. Once you lost three times, you are done. And so your goal is just to make a really strong deck from the random cards that you've been given and go as long as you can. And I really like it because to a degree, it puts everyone on equal footing. Now, that being said, you can get lucky and have a really good draft. Like legendary cards and epic cards can show up in the draft. And if I played someone the other day who dropped four legendary cards on me in a single arena battle, and I didn't have any, so it can still happen. But it, it for the most part, it's a lot more equal footing than jumping into the ladder where there are people who might have been playing for you know two years or been building decks for a lot longer so i've been really enjoying it yeah i like it a lot actually i did play quite a bit of arena uh last fall and uh it's completely different what's your highest win streak because i had a really good one like last week and i'm pretty excited about it i've hit a i've done 11 wins twice and it's so frustrating that i've never hit 12 12 being the most you can win right oh is 12 the most i got nine Oh, the nine, other day. Is, nine is solid. Like, that's yeah. very good. And that's the one where I got the golden explosive sheep. And I was just like, all right, well, <laughs> go me, go me, I guess. And I, we should say that playing that way, uh, there's an entry fee when you enter the arena, which you can pay in gold or in actual money. Um, I think it's 150 gold. Is that right? Yeah. Or what is that in yeah, like it, dollars it, and cents? It costs 150 gold or two bucks, I think, if you want to spend real money. Because you can always spend real money. <laughs> of course you <Yeah>. can. <laughs> but actually, the game's not really very manipulative about money. Like, there's basically nothing in the game that you can't get through play if you're really dedicated to spending time on it. But it does give you that sort of relief valve of, eh, I'm bored with the cards I have. I want to open some packs. I'm willing to spend a little bit of money to get there. Um, it kind of lets you juice your game a little bit, like accelerate things. Um, so it never really feels like pay to win which is the uh, kind of a i don't really sign on to that phrase exactly but i you know it's it's the it's the insult that's often thrown at a lot of games with this type of mechanics and it's it doesn't feel that way i'd say that the popularity of the game kind of speaks for itself but um this game feels like a game that has handled its monetization brands it's it's monetization really uh really well and uh it doesn't feel exploitative of the players it feels like uh i'm getting something for my money when i spend that dollar and 50 cents or two bucks or whatever i mean i think i think as long as a game is upfront about it and provides a legitimate other option i'm totally okay with people being able to spend money to circumvent time like i get it that's fine it's games that make it where it's almost necessary like truly necessary to spend money uh to keep going you know like you've played these six levels you could wait three days or it's a dollar to get the next level like the ones where it it feels a lot more exploitive than this like like with the doing just the normal quest every day uh they normally range between 40 60 and then there's another quest a lot rare that's 100 gold you know you do your quest every day for a week and most of those quests can be done in i don't know a half hour of play maybe an hour 
depending. Um, and again, you can I play this on my lunch break, or I'll just have ten minutes and I just pull out and play a game. You know, you can make five or six hundred gold every I don't know week, week and a half, two weeks, and so that adds up really quick. Yeah, definitely does. This is a game that's pretty different from most of the games we usually talk about on the short game. You know, this is um, I mean, we we talk a lot about games that you can complete, and this is a game that. Although you theoretically can complete a set of cards, that's a pretty big goal that I think probably even most players don't, you know, probably get a complete set of cards and they're always adding more. So it's not it's 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 a little bit more of a treadmill than a lot of the other games that we cover on this show. But where I think this game really does sort of fit into, you know, your life is that this is a game that you can play in really short spurts. You know, you can just jump into a game and play 10 minutes, which is different from any other multiplayer game I've ever really played. Um, and it's a game that's incredibly approachable. You can play it on almost any device. You can play it, you know, almost anybody can pick up the rules really quickly. Uh, and yet there's a lot of depth here. There's something that keeps people going back to it again and again and again. So I really admire the design of this game and um, I'm really glad we got a chance to chat about it. And Nate, I'm so glad you came on the show because I really needed some advice. So my next steps are I'm going to dust all of my uh, priest cards and maybe a few others and get a little more deeply into the crafting. And I'm going to experiment with some of those expansions and um, uh, look at maybe maybe building a face hunter like Nate. Nate. Uh, so like other Nate. <laughs> <laughs> face hunter is fun, but it, it will not win you friends. <laughs> I bet not. But fortunately, you don't have to talk to these people. That's the wonderful thing no. about this. <laughs> no. Definitely don't. There's no person on the other end of that. You can sort of treat the uh, the multiplayer as, uh, you know, sort of a it's a it's an AI with theoretically a person behind it, but you don't really have to know that. <laughs> yep, that sounds good. Well, thanks so much, and uh, this has been a really ex this is going to be a really exciting couple of weeks for the show. Uh, if you are uh, if you are tuning in, we have a couple of really great episodes coming up. I'm not sure which order they're going to air in, but following this episode, if you uh, if you stick around for next week's and the week following that, we're going to be talking about another multiplayer game that's Helldivers on the uh, on the PSN. Uh, so that's out on the PlayStation Three, Four, and Vita. And if you haven't played Helldivers, Shane and I are really excited to talk about it, and we've been browbeating Nate into talking about it for a while um, yeah i'm sure i'll uh it sounds great you know i'm i'm sure i'll play it hey it's easy to get into um and uh, we're also really excited to announce uh, and i think this will be the first time we've mentioned it on the show uh that uh in our very next or possibly one after next episode, we're going to be having Gary Butterfield of the Watch Out for Fireballs podcast back on the show. And he's going to be joining us to talk about uh, A Link Between Worlds, uh, the recent-ish, I guess not that recent now, uh, Zelda game for the 3DS. You know, I, so if you have any feedback about this episode or about uh, questions you want uh, about those two upcoming episodes, please let us know. You can get in touch with us at our website. That's www.theshortgame.net. Or of course, you can follow our show on Twitter at underscore short game. Um, I've been your host, Reagan uh, Kelly, and you can follow me on Twitter at Reagan K, but I spell that funny. It's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, interesting new, Nate. Where can people find you? Amuses.me is the uh, website where I put all my uh, apps and stuff. Go go red ball, etc. And uh, on Twitter, I'm N Heggy, which is spelled H E A G Y, uh, where I, you know, post Twitter like 
rants and ravings. So. Cool. And Nate, other Nate, lame, boring old Nate, where can people find you? Well, if you feel up to it, I guess, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NateSTL. And Shane, where can people find you? I'm at 8BitShane. All right. And uh, of course, if you uh, want to support the show, the best way to do that is to uh, to subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave us a review there. And we hope to see you next week on another episode of The Short Game.